Hey buddies, thank you so much for clicking on this episode. As you can tell, yes, I am still getting over being sick, so I apologize for my voice the entire time, and also the stuffiness. Today's episode, I speak with John Ryan. He's a local country music artist, so we talk about where he's performed, talk about kind of where his goals are, and the anxieties of performing live. So to me, that sounds insane. I could never do something like that, but it takes a lot of courage, a lot of bravery to do something like that. So I admire him for that. And he also performs two songs during this episode. I'll play a little bit of the song that he wrote just after this intro. So hopefully you guys stick around to the end of the podcast where he plays two more of his songs. And he does a fantastic job. I think he's great. I hope that you guys see more of his name. His name's John Ryan. If you could find him anywhere, social media, on Facebook, Instagram, just John Ryan or John Ryan Music, on Spotify, follow him and then anywhere music is at so without further more enjoy the episode i remember wondering when you were crawling now you're running up and down the halls and i remember wishing that you could talk now it seems I can't get you to stop As you lay with me tonight I'll give you a kiss And honestly the reason is John, I am so excited that you have finally gotten the time to come do this episode. I'm excited to be here, man. I really so, am. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners, bud. So you want me to look at the camera here? You can look right at the camera <laughs> or, or get stare intimate, you in the eyes. Get as intimate as you want. Hi, everybody. <laughs> My name is John Ryan. I, uh, local country singer. I've known Matt here for a long time. We went to... Uh, well, we didn't go to high school together, but Central went to nine. C nine together. Which you is you kind were in of class a, with my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick is who I uh, who I knew and kind of knew you through. So, but we we, we hung out. We had some nights. <laughs> Dude, you would drive your. You had an F two fifty that you would. Was it an F two fifty that you drove? I still diesel. remember. I still remember <laughs> when I was sitting there in line getting ready to leave C nine. And you had my brother in that truck with you, and this was a traffic violation. So, Nick, don't go back in history and yeah, write on the But you were going, everybody was turning right. So, the line to turn right was super long. <laughs> so, then you had your left turn signal on. You go to the left turn signal lane, and then at the just very last second, you flipped the, the right turn passed signal. Passed everybody and around. Everybody and went. That sounds about right. I still remember that. I was, was an, I was an idiot in high school. <laughs> Absolute idiot. I almost got kicked out of C9. <laughs> oh, who was your teacher at C9? Well, I had I had two different ones. I did criminal justice yeah. my first year, but that wasn't a two-year program. So I did diesel mechanic my second year. <laughs> the only reason I did is because my high school wouldn't let me. Like, I only needed like two credits. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, can I just come and take those two credits and then just go home? They're like, no, you can't do that. So I was like, what about a work release? Well, at the time, I was I got a job at a bar when I was 14. Like, like true story. I was working under the table at 14 at a bar, and I worked throughout high school. I worked at a bar. Actually, Schneider's. I don't know if you know what Schneider's <laughs> yeah, is. I've heard of Schneider's. So they're like, well, just turn in a work release program. I turned in. They're like, what is this? I'm like, it's where I work. And they're like, we're not letting you work release in high school at a bar. Like, it wasn't even like a like a pub and grill or anything like that. Like, it was a straight-up bar. So they're like, no. And they're like, you can either take, like, six electives or you can go to C9. I'm like, I drive a diesel truck. My dad's a diesel mechanic. Like, I'll take I'll take a diesel. I'll take diesel class. It was terrible. I hated it. 
come from a line of diesel mechanics and I, I can change my oil. I can change my brakes. Like, but that's about it. Like anything else that has to do with the vehicles. It's like, no, I don't, the, I don't want to mess with it. C9 has a huge benefit to so many people. Like it does to the people like me that are just, there's no college future for me. Well, I, I went to college. You went to college. That's the thing is why. So <laughs> I got, I got the criminal justice credits and yeah. then I was an idiot. I because that was through like Evansville, but I did not want to go or Vincennes. It was Vincennes. Yes, and Vincennes. I didn't want to go like a ways to college. I wanted to stay at home and save the money. And uh, so I'm looking at schools. I could have just gone to Ivy Tech, and I saw this Harrison College that had a criminal justice program. I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. I don't know why. That's what I did. Well, it turns out Harrison was a private school technically. I paid more money for my degree than I would have. Anywhere else, even if I went to like IU, which didn't have a criminal justice program. But here's the craziest thing. Graduated everything. I don't have my degree because I owed $500 in book fees. And I told them, and I wasn't working in the criminal justice field. I told them, you guys can just hang on to it and I'll come pay that and get it when um, I need it. Well, the school closed. Like literally, it's not a thing anymore. And there's no way of contacting them. So like... I just tell people I have my degree, which I did everything I needed to. Like I had it. They just wouldn't give it to me because I owed book fees. But it's it does not exist. Really? My college does not exist anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> luckily I haven't need to use it. But if I ever have to prove that I have a college degree, I've spent I think it was thirty six thousand dollars on a on an associate's oh degree. God. And uh I don't even have it. Dude. <laughs> I'm glad you aired that one out because, like, <laughs> if someone's like, I want to see what this guy went to college at, and they don't find anything, like, the guy's a fucking liar. Like, <laughs> no, that's the thing. Indiana, <laughs> Dude, that'll be horrible. Indiana Business College turned into Harrison College, and they had some like legal troubles, and like, I don't even know. They closed down. It was the weirdest thing. They fired a bunch of teachers like my last year. Like, it closed like a year after I left. It wasn't like I went back to get my degree like five years later. Like, it was literally like, the next year, I'm like, I should probably get that. Like, <laughs> after paying this kind of money, like, I'll just go pay the five hundred dollars. And I called and it like went like to a deadline. I'm like, what the hell? I looked it up. They're like, oh yeah, that's it's over. It's not even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a phase. <laughs> that's what it was, man. So let's go ahead and talk about your singing career real quick. Yeah. All right. So I was surprised to know that you sing, like that you actually can sing. When I first found out a few years back that you were singing, I couldn't really believe it. But once I listened to you, and at the time I was not a country fan. Yeah. At all. So listening to you, and I think I made a comment on one of your posts. I'm like, dude, like you actually are really good at singing. I appreciate that. So when did you start singing and notice that you were actually had kind of a talent for it? Well, I actually started singing in high school. Um, I was in a band. We played in college. Like senior year of high school, we won like the talent competition. Um, we we played some shows. We were we were having fun and then we all it was kind of one of those things we all decided should we pursue this? We had the opportunity um, cause a guy was like, you know, I can get you like Midwest gigs. You guys can travel. Like it was, it was one of those things where we could have got serious with it or we could have gone to college. So I chose Harrison college. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> now, it was, it, I, if I could go back, you know, I wouldn't change anything that I've done, but yeah, so I, I was doing that back then. And I'm telling you, it didn't sound that great. Like I've gone back, like I was telling you earlier, I've gone back and listened to like the CD we had and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like puberty was hitting me hard. I couldn't tell if I was in between Garth Brooks or Justin Bieber like there was no <laughs> there was no set line of like what is this guy like um 
but then yeah, I got out of it. I started working, and then everyone kept telling me like, you should you should do it. Like you're good enough to do it. You're good enough to do it. And I was just like, it's a hobby. It's a hobby. I you know it doesn't pay the bills. And then I did it reverse. Most people coming out of college take the chance and doing that to find themselves. I established myself and myself in the workplace. I'm making good money. Bought a house. Built a house. And then I'm like, tell my wife Heather. I'm like, hey. I think I'm gonna quit my job and play music for a living, but she's been 100% supportive of it. She she pushes me to do it, um, so that's what I do now. Yeah, uh, music is my pretty much full time job, dude. So <laughs> what is has it always been country music? And I'm gonna open this door. While, no, you're fine. While you talk, but has it always been country music that you say? Yeah, I've always been else? always been a country music fan. Now in, in high school, we played like Southern rock and you know like Skinner, Neil Young, CCR, like that kind of stuff, but. Always been a country fan. It's my main. It's what I. It's what I. You know, grew up listening to. I. You know, you were. We're the same age. Yeah. You remember like when we were younger? We were kind of like right before iPods, if you will. Yes. Like Zunes. Like we were right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? We started yeah. to get the technology, but it still wasn't like great yes. yet. And I didn't have the money. Like my family didn't have the money to get me to buy a dollar per song. So, <laughs> what we listened to is whatever CD was in. The parents' car, you know, mm-hmm. and they pick us up for school. And my CDs happen to be like Daryl Singletary, Randy Travis, Conway Twitty, George Strait. Like, that's what I grew up listening to. I was a little weird kid. I didn't, I've never really, I listened to hip hop and I listened to other stuff, but country is what I've always listened to and what I've always enjoyed. So, what kind of feeling do you get? Is it just, is it some type of emotion that country brings you? Is it a comfort? Is it a warmth? Like, I think it's, yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, definitely a comfort. Um, you know, I grew up on it, but I, I don't think there's a better storytelling genre than country music. And that's my opinion. Obviously, everyone has their own, their own thing. But when it comes to easy listening or um, the ability to tell a story about real life stuff, I think country's unmatched with that. Honestly. Hmm. I know you're a new country music person. I'm a new country person. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'll explain my, my newfound passion of country. Uh, I was depressed, and yeah. that's what really brought it up to me was I was out mowing with a buddy of mine, and his name's Grant, and hopefully I have him on sometime. He's He's been somebody who's been kind of a, a lending ear for me, but he's like, man, you need to listen to some country if you're so sad. I'm like, what? Country? I don't – and I always revert back to, dude, I don't find tractors sexy. Like, <laughs> I don't sit there and imagine some dude riding a tractor and just think that's what's getting me going. Yeah. And he's like, it's not what it is. He's like, there's storytelling. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And he gave me Zach Bryan to listen to. Oh, Zach, yeah. And I ended up going to a Zach Bryan concert. And not Zach Brown, Zach Bryan. Mm-hmm. So, like, I ended up going, going to his concert, which his concert was full of really, really young people, which really made me feel, like, really out of place. So – well, he's kind of turned. He brought because there's there's different layers to country. Yeah. I feel like okay. like of like teach me bro country like your you know your Luke Bryan's and and stuff like that. Which mm-hmm. I think Luke Bryan gets a, a bad rap. Like I I like Luke. You have your like folkier style country like like Zach Bryan is. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your just mainstream country or like your Texas your outlaw country like your Cody Jinks um, or like your George Strait. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like classic George Strait. A lot of people still like are in the '90s country, which you know, obviously I love '90s country. Um, that's the thing is like country has just a bunch of different brands within itself. I feel like because I feel like new like Nashville country is just pop music. Is that Florida Georgia line <laughs> stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, 
it, it's pop music with with a steel guitar added to it. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with it. I like some pop country. I like Texas country. I like I like folkier country. Like your, you said Zach Bryan or mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Childers. I mean, I like I like Tyler Childers. A lot. That's the thing. There's all these different layers within the one genre, and I think that's really cool. Some people are like, Nah, back in my day, you know, country like Hank Williams. It, well, mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. You can be a Hank Williams fan, but you can also be a Florida Georgia Line fan. You can be a, you know, a couple guys that I, I would say I'm not a huge fan of just because I'm not a big fan of like click tracks and stuff, like yeah. a Nico Moon or like uh, who's the guy that sings the fancy like song that the fancy like Applebee's on it. You <laughs> oh, know what I'm yeah, talking I know, about? I know what song you're talking about. Like, yes. like that kind of stuff. Like that annoys me, but I would never tell someone you can't like that. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing about music is music's music and everybody needs music in their life. And mine happens to be a country that I love. Do you like Morgan Wallen or Waylon? Morgan Wallen? Yeah, Yeah. I can play a bunch of Morgan Wallen songs. I obviously get a ton of requests for Morgan. Um, I think think Morgan's great. He's he's super mainstream. And I think a lot of people have gotten annoyed because of like – oversaturation, if you will, just constantly hearing him on the radio. songs all the time. But a guy that's so vocally talented and a guy that pretty much wrote before he kind of got big. I mean, um, You Make It Easy by Jason mm-hmm. Aldean. Morgan Wallen wrote that song. What? Yeah, I mean, he he has a lot of... It's the same with like um, like Sam Hunt. Like Sam Hunt wrote Cop Car. Uh, what is it? Keith Urban that sang Cop Car. I and... It, look a up. lot of these guys they write they write a bunch of songs before they kind of get get popular themselves. So I have a ton of respect for Morgan. I'm hoping the uh, Keith Urban, yeah, yeah, wrote it for Keith yeah. Urban. But there's a couple. There's like three songs that he wrote that got popular by other people, and and Morgan did the same thing. And it's kind of paying your dues, I guess, if you will. But uh, I don't know that that whole Nashville scene is just. Have you so you've been down to Nashville, Tennessee, in Music Row and stuff like that? Not to play. No, I've been play. there. Not to play. I, I I truly want to avoid Nashville. My my goal is to really push a local scene because I feel like what happens is all these people they say, I, "Well, we got to go to Nashville. We got to go to Nashville." And down there, people take advantage of you because you play for free, you play for tips, you get in these writer rooms where artists take your music. They say for you to get big, you know, you got to write songs for stuff like that. I think that's BS. Honestly, like if I'm going to write songs that are good, I'm going to, I'm going to play them. Now I'm not saying I won't sell something down the road, but I don't know. I just, I, I don't see the point of like me having to use my writing skills to give me a chance. Like if you're good, you're good. If you're bad, you're bad. Like I should, I want to rep my, my town too, my city. I want to play locally and get a good community following before I pack bags and head to Nashville mm-hmm. and just become another face down there just uh, trying to brown nose as much as I can to make my way to the top. I won't do it. Have you tried reaching out to like, since you just talked about doing like a, getting a community following, mm-hmm. like reaching out for the freedom festival and s- stuff like that, trying to contact the mayor's office and say, Hey, I want to play a set. So, I, don't, I don't know how they do that there. No. So it's hard. Like the big thing is uh, with contacting people when you first start, like it's really, really hard because one, people don't know you. Mm-hmm. And even now with me, I've been doing this like a year and a half or a year. I stay busy at, at certain places, but even when I contact people, a lot of the times it's who you know, not what you know or how good you are. And um, I feel like the only way to get 
you know, these shows going is by playing them and then somebody, that's how I get most of my shows is I'll play a show, somebody in the audience hires me for another show or they're like, hey, I got a friend that owns a bar, like your music's awesome, I'm going to send him your music, see what he thinks and then I get in that way. Most of the time as an artist, if I say, hey, let me come play, I'm pretty good, (laughs) they're like, who the hell's this guy? Like. F yeah, off. sure thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if somebody else says like, hey, this guy's good, you should check mm-hmm. him out. Then they put a little bit more interest into it. Because if somebody else is saying it, it, it it's less yeah. of a grain of salt. It means more. But I would love to. I would love to play any anything I can do. Um, I'm always down to play whatever. Who, who's been an idol to you or somebody that you really looked up to musically? Musically? It depends. Like era and generation so like right now like Riley Green's probably my favorite country music artist um, when it comes to like writing and the style that he puts it out his storytelling everything's super meaningful I'm and it means something you can keep, yeah you can keep talking if you want um, Chris Young you know five years ago was was a big influence I feel like vocally for me and then like I said back in the day uh like Conway Twitty was my, is my favorite of all time. Growing up, I could I could probably sing you forty Conway Twitty songs. Now on the guitar, I, I don't know if I can play the chords, but if you turn on the song, I'll sing along to him because that's what I listened to growing up. So, yeah, Conway Twitty back in the day for sure. George Strait is is is, I mean he's the king for a reason. Forty four number one hits. Wow. You could just play a bunch of you could play George Strait songs all day and and never. Never get tired of them. So, yeah, George Strait, Conway Twitty, back in the day, even George Strait now, and Riley Green and Chris Young uh, up to present. Have you met any of your country singer idols at all? I have not, no. The only the only guy that I've gotten to meet, I, I opened for Craig Campbell in Kansas uh, about three weeks ago, which was a cool event. We um, It was for Kansas State University out mm-hmm. there in Manhattan. Um, it was a cancer fundraiser. Um, which you obviously know cancer is a sensitive subject for me. So we were um, we're out there raising as much money as we could, and they asked me to drive out there. It was a nice 12-hour drive, and mm-hmm. I appreciate My parents funded the trip. I, That's awesome. You know, It was a non-paid trip for a reason because we're, we're dedicating our time to raise as much money as we can. It was, it was really – it was called Country Jam in the Flint Hills, and Kansas was beautiful. The people out there were super welcoming. I – I was signing autographs and I had a private security team, which was, which was crazy. I was like, you guys are going to be upset when you <laughs> get online and see who, you know, <laughs> see my following. I don't know if you think like I'm, I'm bigger than I am, but I, I am not. <laughs> so you brought up, I mean, if you want to talk about it, the cancer subject, mm-hmm. do you, would you like to elaborate more on that for the listeners so that we can kind of get to know yeah, the I situation mean, of everything? We can talk about it. We, we don't really, we don't talk about it too much. It's one of the, and my wife hates talking about it. She's a very like independent person, like does not want people to feel sorry for her. My wife's a two time breast cancer survivor. Um, has had mastectomy two times. One after, you know, she got implants in, found more cancer and, and you know, like in the back of your head, you know that it's probably not done if somebody's having that that much issue. So, like I said, cancer is a super. My my uh, my father in law died at a young age, a couple uh, about four. Well, yeah, four years ago now. It's crazy how time flies. Uh, from liver cancer, he wasn't feeling good. Went into went to the doctor, and they're like, "You have stage four. You have like a month to live." And he did. He was he was fine. You wouldn't even known. And then for like a week or two, started having stomach pains. 
And it was crazy because literally the same week that he passed away is when Heather was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's just like, and her side of the family's had a bunch, bunch of cancer issues. My, my grandpa is going through it right now. Like cancer's just like, sorry, fuck cancer. That's just, Mm -hmm. that's just what it is. Like I hate it so much. So yeah, when I had the opportunity to go out there and do that, it was a no, no brainer, no brainer at all. So, so how many people did you perform in front of? I think we had, if I had to put a, a rough guess on it, I would say 600. Wow. It was a little, little less than we thought would come out, but it was, it was out in the boonies of Kansas. Like we tried to advertise it up as best as we can, but I think we were expecting a little over a thousand. We got about 600. I don't even know the exact money that was raised, but it was a hell of a time, hell of a week. And I appreciate them, uh, them having me out. I was found on TikTok. Of all crazy, all the craziest things. Yeah, my biggest following is on TikTok. I think it's easier to get a, a following on there right now. I think I'm about almost at fourteen thousand followers. Wow, on there. That I wish that would. I wish that would work with with Facebook. <laughs> it's crazy what booking agents look at. They look at you know that kind of stuff. Yes. When they're pulling you in, they're like, let's hop on their Facebook, see how many people follow them, mm-hmm. and uh, and it sucks because I'm not a social media guy. Like. I try my hardest to really put myself out there on social media and I don't want this to come across the wrong way because I don't want to sound like an ass, but I feel like a lot of people that are popular on social media are fake. It's it's the way they act, but people eat into it. Mm -hmm. It's the craziest things. These little skits that they do that they think are real life. And I can't do that. I, I, like I said earlier, I don't brown nose. I can't be fake. Like I literally play my music. I'm me. And if you don't like me, being me, uh, me being me, then maybe you shouldn't follow me in the first place. That's that's just how yeah. I feel. I, I'm just and gonna viral, I'm always gonna be viral moments too. You got to remember that because like there's a, a buddy of mine, his daughter posted a video at her graduation and it's on TikTok and it's got almost 10 million views and it's just her standing there and they said congratulations class of 2021 and she takes her cap and she throws it up in the air. And nobody else threw theirs in the air. <laughs> and she's like, clearly I've never been to a graduation before. Like that's what it said in the in the uh, little uh, part at the bottom. And it got like 10 million views. So it wasn't so a prank. Like, it wasn't a prank it, on her. It wasn't like, a prank. It was just it was just a moment in her in her life that she recorded, but huh. it just so happened to be kind of a fail. But it was a pretty public fail. Now and now that kind of stuff, the, the viral stuff like that, like obviously that's not fake and no, most yeah, of that stuff. Like, but in the music aspect that's got a be lot of musicians stages. are super like, yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like the skits and stuff that they do to promote their music and just like the selling out almost, yeah. if you will. It's like you me. like taking all the tips that you made in one night and going up to some homeless guy and be like, and, and someone's recording you with like a flash camera and you're like, here, man, I'm going to give you all my tips that I made for tonight. It's like totally a thousand dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or there'll and be, there's an idea for you by the way too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what we're going to do tomorrow <laughs> night. We're going to do that. But, uh, some of the videos, like there's one where people will like post, they'll put their phone up in their car and they'll get the family in the car and they'll be like, I'm playing my song for my family for the first time. I'm gonna get their <laughs> I've seen I'm gonna get too. their reaction. Or someone will walk in with their phone and be like, Hey, play this song. Like they act like it's on the spot. It's like, no, you had this recorded, or like they're doing they're doing like a you know, like a run through of songs, like they're calling out songs. Mm-hmm. It's like you already know what they're gonna call out. But people love that um, kind of act, if you will. 
I just can't fall into it. I sing some songs, and if you like them, you like them. But dude, the thing is, is from like as long as I've known you, like is back when we were younger, mm-hmm. you were always just so funny. You were always, you always had like you're quick witted. So like you could figure out something that is of your own that you can just kind of exploit of yourself. You're yeah. just magnifying a part of your life. So that way other people could see that. Cause like it wouldn't be you being some kind of a, um, a prick or somebody who's just too into themselves. You just kind of find like, what is your magnification? You gotta, you gotta find a, a fine line with it. I, and I, I'm definitely different. I feel like in person than I am on social media. I don't know why, because in person, like I get more nervous playing like on social media, like if I do a live or something, then I do like in person because in person I can see people's reactions. I can see how they're, um, you know, I can see if a song's working or I can see if it's not working online. I'll start playing a song and immediately it's like, you suck. <laughs> Quit. Like, could you imagine if you're doing that in real life? Like, like people don't have the balls to do it. Some people might be thinking it. They might just be like, man, this guy blows. Online, they're just like, Dude. you blow, kill yourself. Like, like, <laughs> like it, and I have a hard time taking that because either I get like upset or like in like a like um, like I feel bad about myself or I get angry. And there's nothing you can do because those guys are just fucking losers. Trolls, man. trolls are losers. But they you, are you, losers. You get to the point. I'm not, I, I'm never gonna pretend like I'm a badass or anything. But like, if someone was in front of my face at a live show, just like you suck, you suck. It's like. You want to go outside? Like, let's do that. <laughs> Online, you can't. Like, if you get mad, that's what they want. And it, I don't know. Like, like I said, my social media presence is is not great. But I feel like people have a good time. Yeah, coming to the shows and hanging out, and I try to I partake in some beverage drinking. Uh, <laughs> if you, talk, you will, you did talk about that a little bit before we started. So, like, it, it kind of helps loosen you up a little bit. It, so get rid of that anxiety. Yeah, it does. And I, I'm I'm a heavyweight when it comes to drinking. So my shows, if you ever see a, a red solo cup in front of me, that thing is full of warm Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. That's my drink on stage. Can't drink cold drinks because it tightens up the, the vocal cords. I'd love to have a beer on stage, but my, my throat does. It tightens up. So I, I literally, before show, will fill up a cup of Jim Beam, and it's usually gone by the end of the show. Wow. And that's just... It's just a straight cup straight, of Jim Beam. Straight Jim Beam. Is what I is what I drink, really? yeah. I mean, that's that's about everything. I played my first. It was la, it was last week or the week before that. I because I, I was talking about it on stage. I'm like, this is my first sober show. I sound like an absolute raging alcoholic. <laughs> I go, this is my first sober show that I've played in months, and I go, this is really hard. Like I was missing more chords and and some lyrics than um, normal. I play I play a lot of songs in my set. So I if you go to some musicians and and this is completely them. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Sometimes they'll play four or five songs. They'll take a 20 minute break, come back, play a couple more songs. I try to play 63 songs is in my set list. That's what I try to play in a three hour show. I usually take one 10, 10 minute break, or if I need to, I'll take another five minute at the end. But I'm trying to play as much music as I can. And I don't keep, I'd say, fifty to about fifty of the songs. There's nothing on my phone to help me out because if I have that crutch of lyrics in front of me, I feel like all I'll do is stare at my phone in front mm-hmm. of me. I like to talk to the audience members, make eye contact with people in the crowd um, because I can't. I have a guitar in my hand and a mic, so I can't, you know, walk around and and do stuff like a, a lead singer would do. I got to really um, work with the crowd on the way I kind of have a presence and look at them. So if I'm just sitting there staring at a phone, 
So I would rather I'd rather mess up lyrics and mess up chords than just sit there and stare at my phone and get everything right. If that makes sense. So do you obviously write down the list of what music you're going to play on your phone or I a do. piece of paper? Okay. Yeah, I have a I have a list on the phone. It's a it's an app, and then I can go in there and and I can make little notes like what key is this in. You know, where am I putting the capo at? Um, sometimes my note will be like, these are the chords of the song, or I'll put the first two words of the song. Because I don't know why that's my biggest thing. Is Sometimes I just forget how songs start. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be like literally just the first two words. And if I have those, I can just go off of that. Um, but yeah, anything else besides that, I don't keep a lot on there for that reason. I want to, I want to stay active with the crowd. Where have been some of the places that you've played here in like Johnson County or just around the area? So I have a good, um, a good partnership with, which we talked about partnership Mm -hmm. earlier. It's, it's super important to me to have a good partnership. I want them to be good partners to me, um, pay correctly as, as bad as that sounds. Cause there's some places that'll be like, well, you just come and play for tips it's like, man, I, you know, I'm dedicating six hours of my time. Like I need some kind of payment. Um, and then me taking care of them by being the best performer I can be to bring people out to shows and fill up their bars, um, which I've done. I'm, I'm super thankful, uh, for the following that I have like local, I can use, I usually bring 20, 30, sometimes 40 people out to shows. Wow. Um, a lot of friends and family and, and a lot of people that heard about me through people that have came to a show that want to come check it out. And that means the world to me. Cause I know that, you know, that might not always be the case. So when I, you know, when I get 30 people out to a venue and, um, they didn't expect it. And I've had that, I've had that too. Cause you know, when you're a no name coming out, I've had venues, I'm not going to say specific venues that, uh, were underprepared, like have told me like, we, we literally thought you were going to bring out like six people. Like normally the acoustic guy brings out six people. And I brought like, there was one night at a venue. I brought like 50 or 60 people, uh, out that specifically came to see me. And, um, they didn't have a server or a bartender scheduled like in that for the venue area because they just didn't think anybody would come because they, they told me, they go, we forgot to promote you. And I go, well, I have a bunch of people coming. So it was, it was, it was an absolute, um, it was absolute mess, but we did it. We had a good time, but, um, hard truth, um, them and they own big woods. So like big woods in Franklin, uh, hard truth has been awesome. I I usually play show out there. Cadillac Jackson, Shelbyville has been great to me. Um, 19th hole down in Nashville. Um, a bunch of random private parties are, are super fun. Uh, I've played at Mashcraft. I play at. I'm playing Tried and True Vino Villa next week. So. Oh really, Vino Villa? Mm-hmm. On the patio. Nice. On the patio there. So just kind of, I mean, just kind of everywhere. Bars, restaurants, little sit down music places. Do you post where you're going to be? Like, on, do you post on Facebook? I do. So be? on my Facebook, I'll post them. I try to promote. And that's what I talk about being a good partner. I, I forgot. I kind of got to digress there. Is I try to promote as much as I can to that business. And then say I do play a show, I'll try to post like, thank you for having me, whatever the place is. Like if you guys want, maybe pick something on the menu. Uh, like man, if you guys want a killer tenderloin, like you got to come check it out. Or next time mm-hmm. I'm here, come out. What an awesome place. Like really. And I want bar- the bartenders, the servers to make great money. And I want the the business owner to have like a killer night. So that that's my partnership goal. I always ask, I always ask the bartenders and waitresses, after the night like how'd you do tonight like we did great i want them to 
get a boost from me coming out. Mm-hmm. So when I can't, when I don't bring a crowd, because there's shows that I don't, I, I get I get upset that I let them down. Not that there's not that there's not people in the crowd. I've played I've played shows for five people. I've played shows for five hundred people. I don't care either way because sometimes the five person shows are fun because we're sitting there, you know, shooting the shit or people are requesting songs. We're playing it. Sometimes the 500 show people, there's no intimacy into it, but I just want the business owner to succeed from me bringing people out. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So what about like when you're, when you had your first show, mm-hmm. whenever that was, you can talk about your first show. What do you remember the emotions and the feelings that you had going up beforehand because I know for me if I'm about to be in front of people I feel like I'm gonna throw up and I start burping and I start it's coming up so I've gotten a lot better I remember the first show when I got back into this it was actually um it was at Bargersville Bar and Grill they were doing a fundraiser for one of the ladies that worked there that was um terminally ill they wanted to do a fundraiser for all the money uh all the money that would collect to her so she didn't have to work mm-hmm. in her last six months of living. No one should have to work their last six months of living. So um, I want to say we ended up, this is like a, two years ago. I want to say we ended up raising like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 that night. But it could have been more. It could have been more. Um, it might have been twenty. But uh, that was the first time I kind of got, because I was doing, I did stuff on the Corn Morning Show and, and stuff. I was playing, I was putting stuff on Facebook, covers on Facebook. So People are like, you know, we want you to play a live show. Once you play a live show, I went out there and I was wearing, and I still have to do this sometimes. It's just so crazy how it doesn't change, but I had sunglasses on. Kind of like the old uh, Ricky Williams thing. Like uh, he had like kind of the social anxiety. Like he felt like being behind the, the dark glass on his helmet um, made him feel like he was hidden. And it's the same thing with me. Sometimes if, like I like wearing my sunglasses when I play. That's why I like outside shows because I have the excuse mm-hmm. to have them on. It makes me feel hidden and it makes me feel a little more comfortable. But always the first couple songs are always a little bit, I don't want to say rough, but you can tell when the night starts going on. As the night goes on, it gets easier. The show gets better. I've had multiple people tell me that. And you know as an artist like what it is. That's why I, I, I put some easy songs is like my starter songs are a song that I always play. I always play the same song to start, and that's uh, Heartache Medication by John Party because it's a super easy three-chord song. It's like a good warm-up to get the, the vocals going, and I know I won't mess it up because if you mess up the first song, <laughs> that's I mean, it's like throwing a pick on the first play of the game. Like the rest <laughs> of your game is probably going to be bad because that's in your head. You want to you wanna start off strong and, and, and go strong. Have you, have you started off a show completely wrong? Or had, I mean, have you ever had somebody who just (laughs) was just not cooperative at all and just kind of, you know, being an annoyance? No one with, now the uncooperative stuff that happens later on the night when when, they're drunk, when they're all drunk. My, my favorite thing is, is I'll play 40 country songs. I'll talk all night how I'm a country music artist. Someone will come up and be like, Hey, you know, some ACDC, (laughs) like it, it, it never, it never fails. Like someone requests like Black Sabbath, like I'm standing there with an acoustic guitar, and they're they're requesting some kind of heavy metal song or something. Let me grab my electric guitar yeah. from out of my ass. Well, not even that. It's just like what do you, what do you think? And my other favorite thing is is when people request a song I don't know. So I have a rule when I'm playing. Um, if I if you don't know this, if I don't know the song that you requested, you have to drink. That's just that's the rule. And if you request a song and I do know it, I'll take a drink before before I play it. But I'll have people bring up songs. 
out of left field that are just like, I have never heard. Like I had a woman one night, she requested a song and I ended up looking it up to see like, because if I know the song, like if I know the tempo and how it goes, I can look up the chords and and, and play it. Um, but I'm like, I've never heard this. And I look, it was like a 60s country song um, by an artist that I can't even remember, like not, nothing main. And she goes, I can't believe you don't know how to play this song. And I'm like, I'm not a human jukebox. I wish I was. I really do wish that you could yell out any song and I could play it. And she's like, you're a musician and you don't know. That's my impression of her. She yeah. must have been a big, an old smoker. I don't know. She's like, uh, I can't believe it. You don't know how to play it. And I literally took my guitar off. I was being a little sassy that night, I think. And I was like, do you want, do you want to play it? She's like, I don't know how to play it. I go, exactly. I'm the musician. So why don't you go sit down and let me do my job? <laughs> well, so I don't usually get like that with, with people, but she was just so drunk and just like so mad that I didn't know her song that it, probably her pappy sang to her when she was <laughs> a little girl. <laughs> But uh, what? Well, so the question was: Has any show started off like yeah. weird? I had one show start off, and I think it actually was that first show, which just literally put me in just um, my guitar. My pickup wasn't working correctly on it. Um, come to find out, there was a short in it. So when I started to go to play, nothing came out of my guitar, and there's nothing more embarrassing. Like, oh, here we go, guys, and then <laughs> I just strum, and there's nothing, and I'm like. All right, I need a minute. <laughs> like ran ran back to my guitar, just like what the hell's going on? Like it worked fine in, in rehearsals and everything's good. And now the first song I go to play, I'm like, here we go. And then it just looks like I forgot the words. Like it doesn't look like my guitar doesn't work. It just looks like you're just standing like and, and we're about to start. <laughs> That's what this jackass has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> and then so, yeah, that was my first experience. So I'm like, maybe I should quit this. <laughs> no, I, we we had a pretty good show after that. So. That is cool, man. So, like, when you ha- like, what are some of the ways that you get rid of that anxiety? You talked about, you know, wearing sunglasses. You talked about kind of having some uh, some drinks. You know, it's uh, it's sad to say, and I, I I feel bad that it is, but four or five shots is probably is probably my good starter out of that that cup that I fill up. Um, probably four or five shots to get the night started is how it how it gets me, but. I think natural, natural way without the alcohol or without the, you got to just have, get the crowd involved, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I played a show last week and usually the beginning of the show is just so dull. Oh, sorry about that. No, you're good. She never barks unless there's a dog out there. Hey. Yeah, there's a dog. We're going to ruin it, Lila. (laughs) For anybody wondering, that's a pit bull. <laughs> she's going to eat your face. <laughs> she's right. the sweetest. She's the sweetest dog. <laughs> but she just does not like other dogs. What was I saying, though? You were talking about... Natural uh, nat- yes. ways to... So, the beginning of the show, like I said, usually when somebody... When you hop up on stage, especially without a band, it's me, I play solo a lot, or I have a drummer that plays a Cahoon set, which is a pretty cool setup. We can we can get the party going pretty well with, with just what we have, I feel. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing like a full band that's that's going but even when a full band starts sometimes you're just sitting there and a full band starts and it's just like just kind of background noise if you will until you kind of get people acclimated but we had a party of like 15 bachelorettes um that were there that night so it was right off the bat energy level was just high first song they're singing along they're wanting to do shots uh it got crazier as the night went on but if you have that kind of help from the crowd Mm -hmm. like people don't understand as a crowd member just 
even like somebody singing along to you or like afterwards giving giving a clap after the first song. That's what's awkward. I try to lead a lot of songs in because I don't want the audience to have to clap after every yeah. song. But when you get done with your first song and it's dead silent, it's super intimidating. <laughs> like it's so intimidating. And people don't understand too that on stage, all that sound travels to you. I can hear people's conversations all the time. Like especially, not even just front row. Like if you're good, I have pretty good ears. My eyes are terrible. Like, I mean, these, <laughs> I'm like one away from restrictions, what they told me. But um, you can hear people like either say like, oh, this guy's good. Or they can, I'll hear people like, you know, because they're, they're trying to talk to someone across the way. Or even when I'm playing a song, they're like, this song is just not for him. Or, you know, stuff like that. So, this song's not for Which him. is fine. You're entitled to that opinion. But I think as a crowd, when the crowd's into it, it makes it just so much easier. 100%. Dude, so have you ever had like like somebody just have like just talking trash about you? Hey, bless you. Talking trash about you while you're playing and you just hear it? And Not, you're, I'm sorry. I think she farted. Oh, I don't care. I'm pretty sure she, she farts all the time. It's actually it's hilarious. <laughs> it cracks me up. I'm uh, I don't I don't smell anything, so but either way, it might just be my breath then. <laughs> So have you ever had like anybody just kind of talk trash about you while you're playing? Not that I can remember. Like I said, most of the trash talking is either online or I actually keep a I keep a notepad. I'm a very I'm a very competitive guy. Um, growing up, almost too competitive. Like negativity fuels me way more than positivity, mm-hmm. and I've always been like that. Like if you tell me I can't do something, like I'm gonna do it. Like you could have I could have ten people give me the highest praise. It doesn't mean anything to me if that one person gives me negative. That's what I'm feeding off of. And I've always used it as a positive thing. But I keep a notepad in my um, my phone anytime somebody says something negative about me or my music or anything like that. I write it down. Um, I've had people tell me that I'm not good enough to join their, their, their thing. I've had people tell me that they only bring people to their um, venue that can put butts in seats. We're not even talking about big venues. It's not like I'm asking clips or anything. We're talking about bars and stuff. You know, it's like, no thanks. You know, we don't, people be, people are just, I mean, some of these people in the music industry, they're so blunt and you gotta be, you gotta have thick skin. And I haven't even probably seen half of the, half of the things people have said to other people. But, uh, those are a couple of the ones that I've gotten. But every time I get something like that or someone's disrespectful to me, I, I write it down and I remember them I remember their venue because my goal in life is to get big enough to where they want me to come play. And I can tell them absolutely not. That's fair enough. Vendetta. I mean, it's a vendetta and some people might like think that that's not, you know, a positive thing. Like, Oh, he shouldn't, shouldn't think like that. But if they didn't want me when I'm here, like if I get here, I don't want to hear from you. It's just, just how it is. Well, you know, I have a barn space that I would love for you to play in. So what qualities, because there's got to be there's got to be things for musicians that as you as a musician or an artist, what qualities do you look for in other artists or musicians that kind of tells you if this guy is a solid all around guy or girl or he's a really good singer mm-hmm. or he's a really good uh, picker at a guitar? I don't know what you would call it. But yeah. What qualities are those that you look for? See, this might be a cop out answer and I... My biggest thing in life is if you are a good person, I think you get a pass on on things. Like, like if I go to an artist that I know 
Like he might not be the best guitar player, the best singer, but is just an awesome guy, an awesome like you know does great crowd work. Or I know out obviously outside of like playing the music, like this guy's awesome or this gal's awesome. I'm gonna support them no matter what. Like that's just that's just, and I think more people need to be like that because um, just like in anything in any job, I, there's there's people that I know or you know have talked to. Uh, like artists that aren't the greatest people in the world, like like John Mellencamp. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. Is, is he not a good? He's guy? He's a horrible person. Oh, really? He's a horrible person. <laughs> I and I'm not a country fan. Remember? Well, I'm a recent country fan. But my uh, ex-wife, her uncle, is the keyboardist for John Mellencamp. So I got to meet him. His name's Troy Kidit. I'd meet. I'd see him all the time. Anyways, he lives out in Avon. So uh, I used to go like have dinner with my father and my ex father in law, and then we'd sit there, and Troy would come over, and we would talk. I'm like, hey, you know, what's it like being in a band? You know, like you know, you kind of hit on the keys and shit like that. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I'm like, well, what's it like? What's it like working with John Mellencamp and or John Cougar Mellencamp or something like that? And depends he's on just, what year or what album. Yeah, I, I have no <laughs> idea. And he's just like, uh, he's a diva. Yeah, and I you remember oh you didn't you didn't go to Greenwood but Kagan Mellencamp, he's related to John Mellencamp. So Kagan Mellencamp's kid I grew up with is Greenwood, which your friends would know. Yeah, but he's actually the the nephew of John Mellencamp, and he said the same thing. That he said his he's uncles. a complete dickhead. Like he's when he, you get inside he sources his, he like that, people like like crap when I'm when I'm told. When when multiple people, so I try not to judge a person's character based off stories unless I know them perfectly. Yeah. But you can get a pretty good sense when you talk to four or five different people or people that work with them close, and they're like, "Yeah, that guy or gal sucks." Yeah. You probably know, and obviously I hear stories because I meet people that have worked with other musicians. Mm-hmm. I've been told Morgan Wallen's an asshole. I've been yeah. told uh, Billy Currington by multiple people um, is is te- is terrible. I've been told Trace Atkins is an ass. But the problem is, is did these people see them at their worst state? Yeah, because there might Fair be people enough. out there that think I'm an asshole because they caught a a twenty second glimpse of me when I was being an asshole, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, that guy's an asshole." When ninety nine percent of my day, I'm doing everything I can to not be, but they saw me at that one. So that's that's what I'm saying. But if you hundred percent know that somebody's just like not a good dude or not a good gal, like I don't try to, I don't give them a time of day. Mm-hmm. That just that's just what it is. When it comes to their music, music's like that too. It's all relative. What sounds good to you might not sound good to me. I've played for people that say they don't like country music and they're like, you've turned us on to country music. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're awesome. Like since we've listened to you, we've got into country music. Then I've had people that I've seen at a show once and I've never seen again. And that's fine. That, that they probably, it wasn't their cup of tea probably. And that's, that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But when people badmouth, what I hate is the social media warriors that'll get online and, and badmouth somebody. For no reason. You see it a lot with companies, too. Mm-hmm. They'll have a bad experience with a company, and they'll just run their name into the dirt. And I've been on one. I've been on the other side of it to where that's that's not true. Like, obviously, working in the restaurant business my yeah. whole life or, you know, dealing with something. People will always make up stories to make them sound better. But it's weird they do it, like, with, with artists, too. It's like, this guy stinks. Don't go see him. It's like, well, why you got to be like that? You know what I mean? I don't know. I would never... 
And people, like I said, when people are online, they'll get they'll see a cover online. They'll be like, "This cover blows." <laughs> like you should probably just throw your guitar in the garbage. Like I've never been online and seen whether it's music or anything. I've never like watched a video and been like, "I hated that," and then went to the comments and like. You suck. Like, I don't know. It's just not my nature. So it, it's, it's weird just, to me. It takes a different kind of person to do something like that. Like, I know for me, if I know the person, I'm friends with the person, and I know not a lot of people are going to see it, I will talk so much trash. Well, that's different. Just to give that's them different. so much shit. Yeah. But like a buddy of mine, I just posted a, I posted a TikTok the other day. And it was from one of the, the last episode I did. And uh, somebody commented on it and said, what do you know about not having a father in the household? And I, la- I literally read it and I laughed to myself because I was like, oh my gosh, like, my very first person that is like saying a rude comment, kind of like, you know, yeah. kind of being snide. I did not reply. So I told my buddy, I'm like, he goes, he saw the comment and he said something to me about it. I said, dude, say something else mean to me. Like, just talk so much trash. Like, cause that's what's going to, someone's going to see that and they're going to be like, oh my God. And cause that's what I've been told a lot is like, if whether any publicity is good publicity, even if it's good or bad, it's yeah. still, it's still publicity. So like for me, it's like, dude, talk as much trash as you want because I personally, it doesn't, that doesn't bother me because it's like, and he ended up saying something about, but he's, what did he say? He goes, man, you should, you should believe this guy talking about fathers in the household. He's got two of them. And, I was just like, <laughs> and then he goes, hashtag gay. Like that. So I was like, that's a good one. Like, that's, that's what's hard like, is like, you don't want to really get good one. with, with, with all these cancel culture woke folks, like. You got to walk on eggshells, I feel well, like. And they go up to a business, and I tell you what, they do have a lot of, they do have a lot of influence. I just switched it on you. I'm sorry. No, they fine. have a lot of influence on a business. You'd rather be on your muscles. We need to, we need, dude, we I need have, to show you off. I more. do, I do the best I can. Just keep make, it on you. No, don't <laughs> do that. I do the best I can to make me look as small as possible. I don't, <laughs> I put myself in the corner. I well, why do you think down. I'm wearing a black shirt? <laughs> So I was going to ask you about that. So what is what is it that you wear? What is like Johnny Cash wore all black because he wanted everybody else to seem that he was part of the working man's class. Is that is that true? So like, this is so a what do you wear? this is a topic that I go through in my head, and it kind of goes back to me not wanting to. I, I've never understood <coughs> people trying to like fit in or trying to be part of like like right now like the Bass Pro Shop hat and then like the mullet sticking out oh my and gosh, like the the cut off into like a belt buckle jeans like that's that's what like. Everyone looks like right now. I feel like <laughs> um, not just country music, just like country music fans are just like everybody. No, everybody and that's what people that listen to me probably look like. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's a bad look. What I'm saying is like I'm not going to adopt that look, or I haven't found like a look, if you will. But I see some of these ridiculous outfits, and I look at them. I'm like, would they wear that if they weren't performing? And it goes back to like the the fakeness of, mm-hmm. of things. Like I don't want to get in a costume. Because people are like, why don't you wear a cowboy hat? It's like, I'm not a cowboy. I'm not a, I call them Yellowstone cowboys. They watch Yellowstone oh my gosh, one time. Yeah. Now they got cowboy hats. And you'll you'll see it. They're, they're wearing like a felt hat in the, the summer or a straw hat in the winter. They have no idea what they're doing. It's like, yeah, I could wear a cowboy hat, but I would feel artificial mm-hmm. if I did that. I could go put boots on. I don't wear boots. I don't, I don't work out in the construction. I don't, I don't do that. I could, you know, I could wear all these things. So I've always been just a t-shirt and shorts guy. So dressing up for me is putting a pair of jeans on. I wear a pair of jeans. I wear either like a white, gray, or black shirt, and I wear a baseball cap. Like, that's that's my look. And I've had people say, like, you should really, like, try to find a look or try to find a marquee look. And it's like, well, if I do that, I'm not being me. I'm not being true to myself. So what you see is what you get when I'm on stage. I might not look like a country singer when I go up there, 
I'll sing you every damn country song I know. <laughs> That's that reminds me of of a, a buddy of mine who's going to be running for some office position here soon, and his look <clears throat> always is basketball shorts with gym shoes and a cutoff. That's it. And, and, that's I, and all I, he wears. I would vote for him. I have this saying that I say, I say, I don't trust a man in a suit. Never trust a guy in a suit. It's at a funeral or a wedding. Yes. Because I, I don't trust him. I would vote. Well, I have to look at policies too. <laughs> too. I, I don't just vote based off looks, but if I would probably feel more comfortable with that guy than I would with a guy in his three piece suit, that's, you know, spewing off yeah. everything that, that I want to hear. Well, that's what politicians do, but that's no. I, mean, I, I know. I, I love politics. I follow it. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm the closest at following it, but I, I saw mean, Matt Walsh on your TV in there. When oh yeah, did you? <laughs> so. Matt Walsh. I, I have uh, the Daily Wire. Every time when I go to work and whenever I leave the house, my dog, my pit bull Delilah, she watches con- conservative news. Yeah. It's, it's all her. But I'm a I'm a, li- that's what I'm she, a liberal. Yeah, that's what she is. Yeah, she's the conservative oh of gosh. the family. And she's a gun toting pit bull man. <laughs> She walks around with them pistols. No, um, I always put on you know the Daily Wire for her to listen to. My favorite is Brett Cooper. <clears throat> if anybody knows or has contact with Brett Cooper, uh, I am single, and she is amazing <laughs> and beautiful and gorgeous. And she's the one that does like the the news uh, run right on like she's big on TikTok. And she's real big on TikTok. I th- I've seen. I know who you're God, talking about. Dude, I am obsessed with her. I take everything with a grain of salt when it comes to Paul. I I dabble into in both sides. Uh, on both yeah. sides. I want to say is I, I truly believe when I say this, I truly believe I'm about as the middle ground as you could possibly be when it comes to politics, because I don't try to get into an echo chamber it, like a lot of these people do. I'll listen to both sides. Now, this side is a little crazier, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's just let, let be honest um, on there's, some of their there, there's there's differences on policies and procedures and how they act. Yeah, I tend and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm more to the right. Because yeah. I see what happens and I see how, you know, on the fringe side of things, how kids are treated on one side. And it's scary. It's mm-hmm. very scary on how sexualized it is. 100%. And Someone has a almost five-year-old daughter. Exactly. So, you know, when you do a family-friendly drag show, there's nothing yeah. family-friendly about a drag show. So, like, that's it's if you go to a drag show, tell me if you would bring your own child to it. Like, I would. Ne- I don't have a child. I have nephews and I have a niece. I wouldn't. I would never bring a child to that. It's and you're. It's it's a slippery slope. The problem to start is, discussing. is, is people make you. They make you choose. Like, so if I say oh, I wouldn't bring my child to a drag show, they're like, "Oh, you're you trumper, you absolute trumper." Yeah. Like, no, I've talked to people before. How I know that I feel like I'm doing pretty good moderately in politics of trying to be as moderate as I can be mm-hmm. is I had a girl one time um, when I said something this conservative because I'm full Second Amendment guy, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I'm I'm surprised that you like guns." I'm like, "Why?" She goes, "I thought you were just a big liberal." And I'm like, no, because some of the stuff I've talked mm-hmm. to her, I, I agree with the left on some stuff. I agree on the right on some stuff. Yeah. But I try to find a middle ground on all the issues because there's always a middle ground. Nothing is black or white. For some reason, our society has made everything black and white. <laughs> Figuratively, <think> <laughs> literally, literally. I can't believe you said that African American or Caucasian. <laughs> but there, there's always a middle ground, and we never, we never go to it. We push. We're like magnets trying to push opposite ways. The liberals are becoming. Um, as far left as they, you know, they can become, and the, it kind of push. I don't know the right. The right pushes. You got some crazies on the right, but I feel like what's kind of happened is I feel like a lot of right has become swung moderate. I feel like a moderate conservative nowadays is what you would classify as a 
moderate liberal 10 years ago. Yes. So what you see a lot of is a lot of the moderates switch over to the right side. Yeah. Because they see, because I I agree with some left policies. I do agree with it, and I and I have I try to get as many friends as I can that are more left leaning. They just don't want to sit sit around because like they don't like they feel very uncomfortable. They with can't have the left can't have discourse. It's from what I've learned. It's a it's lot very of difficult to have discourse with somebody on the left. It, it is, and but also I've dealt with it at work where we have uh, two members on our department where they are Democrats, which. Mm-hmm. At least openly Democrats, because yeah. the other ones don't talk. Because obviously, it's <laughs> it's a touchy you're, subject. You're free game if if someone finds out you're a Democrat and you're you work for a fire department. Yeah, like get ready for an ass chewing. It's not gonna they're not gonna get mad at you. They're just gonna poke and poke because mm-hmm. they know they can annoy you. Me and my crew, uh, we talk politics every day. Me and my boss, and. There's some guys in our department that whenever they come to our firehouse, they know that it's hey, it's gonna be a safe place for you because. You know where we stand. We know where you stand. We're not. We will poke fun. You better poke fun back. You better talk trash back. Mm-hmm. But we're going to ask you questions on why do you think that? Like, why do you think that everyone should have universal health care? Look at Canada. I have a an aunt, an aunt and uncle, or sorry, some cousins that live in Canada that use the universal health care, and they were talking about how amazing it was until she needed shoulder surgery. Until she needed shoulder surgery, and they told her she's on a list. She was on a list for yeah. two and a half years and she couldn't move her right, her right mm-hmm. arm. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, oh, you could go to the United States and just pay out cash and then or use your insurance. If you pay for some insurance, then you can go to the United States and you'll have your surgery done in two weeks. That's what's hard with me, like for that, because I, I do believe healthcare should be a right. I feel like everyone should have insurance companies have completely ruined the United States healthcare system. The reason I know this I is because of a fact I with Heather's pre existing condition. When I left Roadhouse, which has amazing health care, top that's, of the line. That's awesome. And that's from the top down. Roadhouse is a super, putting a plug in for Texas Roadhouse, super awesome company. Mm-hmm. If you're a busser that works full time and the owner of the store, you have the same exact health care. For awesome. me, Addie, and Heather, I was $100 a week, no deductible, no copay. You serious? Yeah. Damn. When I left, I wanted, I tried to get in the marketplace because obviously with this, I became, or even when I started doing construction, I owned my own business. I was a 1099 mm-hmm. that worked under my own thing. And then now I'm working under my own thing. When we tried to apply for marketplace, the affordable care, that's the thing is the affordable care act is, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. They wanted, uh, I want to say it was like six forty a week, six forty a week. Um, and then a $15,000 deductible Ugh. because of my wife's pre existings. How is that? The pre-existing conditions is what gets me going. Yeah. It's what I, I mean, I understand it now. I always put it, I always try to put it like in this way for myself. If I'm the one going to be taking the insurance onto myself, like I'm the business mm-hmm. and you, and you come to me, I'm not going to use your wife as an example because that's very unfair, but you I, can do I use, yeah. all right. So I'll use your wife as an example. And this is a purely business look at it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it like, Oh my God, dude, that's a high insurance for me. I'm probably going to end up having to pay out. I re- they're going to have to pay a lot more for their deductibles or their, their copay is going to be a little bit more. They're going to, they're going to have a higher interest rate because of his wife's history. I get why I get why they do it. I don't agree with what they do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm about to get dropped from my, my home insurance. They just called me last month. They're like, Hey, next month is your last month. You being covered. We're dropping you. And I'm like, I made all my payments. And they said, yeah, but you've had two, uh, you've had two insurance claims that we've had to pay out. And now we're dropping you for it. I'm like, so get, let me get this straight. 
I've paid to you guys for seven years straight, never made one late payment. And I've paid the amounts that you guys, even when you increased my payment, I made those payments. I didn't complain about it. And I had two claims that you guys had to pay out. Because you know how those, you know how those premiums work, right? I don't know how they all work. No. So that's what I did. I'm I was still an, learning, I was I'm an still insurance specialist stuff. with like home, like home insurance. That's what I was doing in construction, okay. which I hated. Because I hate insurance companies. <laughs> Just I can't. Put that say, out I there. hate them too. I think but stupid. it's how your area. So let's say, let's say this your neighborhood or your city got hit with a big hailstorm. The next year, your premiums are going to go up whether your house got hit or not. Say that like the next, the the neighborhood next door mm-hmm. had a bunch of you know your area had a bunch. Your your house wasn't affected at all. Yours will go up since you're in that area, which is crazy to me. That is insane. But it's also crazy that you had two claims yeah. at seven years and you got dropped because they didn't want to. I think it was within the time period. The time period was within a year's time. Mm-hmm. And the claim was the exact same claim, which um, a friend of mine, she's a claims adjuster. Yeah. And she was telling me when I first told her about it, she goes, and they haven't dropped you. And I'm like, why would they drop me? Was like, it, made- what was it like interiors? Like at water stuff? Or? It was all water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my water main from the street to my house. Was, oh, gotcha. There's holes all in it. I was leaking water. I had five gallons a minute rushing into my house. And uh, I come home from <laughs> I come home from work one day and I'm like, dude, there's a lot of water in here. And I'm like, wonder what's going on. There's a whole stream coming out of my garage. And then sure enough, I look and I'm like, there's water spraying. Wouldn't that be out. on the city though? Nope. Not from the, anything from the street on up is mine. Is yours? Mm-hmm. You're Which responsible to take care of it. I'm responsible. Now for it's it. not like you were doing anything. Like if you had, if you were in here doing demolition to your house, <laughs> and you you had an axe, you had one of your firefighter axes, yeah. and we're like, Just we're taking this wall it. out today, and then you opened up a main. That's one thing. If I was an insurance yeah. company, I'd be like, this guy is this guy's an idiot. Like <laughs> we, we need to drop him. But we're talking about a house that had a water main issue that had yeah. essentially act of God. Like there's nothing that you could have done about that. Like that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was, and that's but that's part of that's part of it, man. That's part of the game too. But back to the uh, insurance, uh, no, healthcare stuff. For the healthcare, I think it would be fantastic if everybody had healthcare and it being a right. I just I don't want it to be a right. The mm-hmm. reason why is you make it a right. If you do make it a right, then there's the chance that the government can take away. Because yeah. the government can take away. They can take They can take away your Second Amendment. It's obviously they have the red flag laws. That's taking away your Second Amendment right. It's hard. We've if, gotten we've gotten so deep into everything that, yeah, they could take it away. The current system doesn't work great. It works great for wealthy people, um, or if you want to be just a, a someone that doesn't do anything. That's the thing. Is like I made just enough to not get help mm-hmm. like a while ago. I think I was making like when I first started. I think I was making like forty eight thousand dollars a year. And they're like, that's way too much. You can't get any assistance. It's like 48. That literally, we had somebody tell us like, like if you if you quit your job, you can get on Medicaid. And that's the saddest part too. That's what's hard. It's like that's the there's a part. double-edged sword there of like we have so many people taking advantage of the system, and then the you got which isn't the one percent, isn't that anybody that makes over like 150 thousand a year? Which like one percent is not even. Uh, if we're gonna be talking about the top one yeah. percent of the wealth mm-hmm. for the world. Then I'm in the one percent. Yeah, and if we're talking about history, then you're in the one percent. Like we're all we're both in the one percent, top one percent of the world. Yeah. For if we're talking about for anybody in the one percent, I think it's 150 or 175 thousand dollars. It's year. right there, which isn't yeah. really, I mean, a crazy amount of money, mm-hmm. and that's middle. That's probably middle class. I think it is considered middle class. That's. I mean, that's about that's about what my parents make right around there, and uh, 
There's no luxury lifestyle living now. My parents are big redneck, so they're blow. My dad has. He lives in the city. He lives by Perry High School. What? Yeah, he lives in Perry High School, but he has like I was there yesterday. He has a bunch of trailers lined out in the back. So he has like he has just John Deere tractor. I love it. That's awesome. He has two ATVs. He has a pop up camper. He has two enclosed trailers, one open trailer. He has his duck hunting boat. He has two. Um, he has a pontoon and then a deck boat. Now, given those get left down at Monroe, mm-hmm. but that's where his money goes. Mm-hmm. Is is just and, and he has fun. It's not a bad spot. That's not a bad place for it to go. But, but it's re- it's it's really not. My, growing up, like too, like people, like I've never understood like when people had really nice things. So my dad always said this, and I kind of lived the same way. He's like, we could buy something new and have a really nice thing, but then we got to worry about it. About like a boat. If I buy a nice boat, I know people with really nice boats. They won't tie up to other people because they're afraid of them scruff, you know, scuffed mm-hmm. up. They won't let anybody onto the boat. They won't let you know animals and stuff because they don't want the upholstery getting messed up. It's like why own something that you're not going to use? It's the same with our yard. When we were younger, our yard was the, the place where all the kids came to play football. You know, it was a big square backyard, and during football season, there it was just a mud pit. Or we used to ride our ATV, or we'd ride the the uh, dirt bikes, you know, around the yard, and there'd be a big track. And I remember saying, I still remember this because it stuck out to me. I was young. I was probably like 14, 15. I was like, Dad, do you not care that there's a big, like we've, we've ruined your backyard? He goes, that's why we have a yard is to use it. Why would I want a yard just to look at it? We have it out there so you guys can play football, so you can ride the the dirt bikes. And that's how I want to live. That, that, that means a lot to me. I don't want really nice things just so I can stare at it and then die and somebody else can take it over. I want to get use at it at it why I'm why mm-hmm. I'm doing this. And that's part of the reason I quit my job to do music because I wasn't happy working 55, 60 hours a week. Um, not seeing my daughter, telling FaceTiming her goodnight every night because I'm working nights, weekends and holidays. Um, like I said, I, I told you earlier, I'm I'm probably I'm making less money than I've ever made, but I am more happy in my life right now than I've ever been because I've decided to choose time over money. And I think a lot of people get those mixed up and they end up dying with a lot of money in their bank account that they never got to do anything with. There's two ways to look at it. I'm not going to sit there and and say that, you know, if you work and try to save as much money as you can, (laughs) that you're wrong. There's, there's so many different ways of living life. There's a, there's a friend of mine that I just, I just made a couple months back and we actually recorded an episode together, but we had to ixnay that episode and we're going to hopefully re- be recording here soon. But the way he thinks about money, and the guy is very, very wealthy, like doesn't need to work the rest of a day in his life. So, but he, the way he thinks about money really trips me up. So I took him out to dinner before we started because that's what I try to do. I was like, hey, have you eaten yet? If you haven't eaten, yeah. let's go get some dinner. Uh, I paid for dinner. And at the end of the meal, we started talking about money. And he goes, just by happenstance, how much did you pay for dinner? So I told him it was like 67 bucks. And he goes, all right. I'm like, why'd you ask? And he goes, because we were talking about finances. He goes, the way I think about money is I could have taken that $67 and I could have invested it in something. What would I invest it in? I'd invest it in something in crypto or I'd invest it in a, something smaller or I'd take it and just try to double it. If I could double that money tomorrow, i take that money. The next day I try to double that. He goes, you take $60, you double it tomorrow. How much is it? I'm bad at math. So I was like, uh, 120? And he goes, perfect. Double it the next day. What's that? I'm like, 240 and he's like yeah so double it keep doubling your money and then all of a sudden now it's doubling for you yeah like why would you think like that like how do you think like that 
So he's got certain goals in his life, but the way people, certain people think about finances and money and making money work for them just kind of really just blows my mind on, on, cause obviously I'll go out and I, I mean, I make a decent salary mm-hmm. with what I do and then I have my, my small <clears throat> business that I have and then I do this. So I throw a lot of money into this, but it's like you create that passive income. I could be here talking to you right now. And then guys are out there working or making someone's money. renting some. They're making money. I'm making money. And you've got to invest money to do that. And like I said, you I'm kind of working. Yeah. A, I've kind of learned that that's a good way to do it. And that's what I have to do with this carpet cleaning business yeah. that I started. I'm trying to set the ground roots, hopefully have somebody else run it, make a percentage of that. But I had somebody, I had a, I had a coach, one of my coaches way back in the day, tell me this. And I didn't live by it for a long time. But now it's like one of my mottos or like what I live by. He said, you work to live, you don't live to work. I know guys that that work 70, 80 hours a mm-hmm. week. Man, they're wealthy guys. They really are. But in my experience of knowing really wealthy guys, a lot of them are not happy. That's just my experience. There's yeah. there's probably a lot of guys out there as they're driving by on their Baja thinking, "Yeah, that guy's an <laughs> idiot. I'm I'm happy as hell. I'm doing I'm doing great and having fun." <laughs> but if you're working like I was, and I may I wasn't making the greatest money, but I think I, my last year at Roadhouse I I, I made seventy two with stock option stock stock options. So mm-hmm. essentially, probably like eighty eighty thousand dollars a year. It's good. It's good money. It's it, it's a good middle class money on top of my wife's like twenty five thirty thousand dollars a year. But we never saw each other. Mm-hmm. And at one point, especially, and I hate to go back to the topic, but when somebody close to you either dies or in her case, like when we lost her dad, like randomly like that, he was about to retire. He was literally the next year, he was turning 55. He had the money saved. He did really well with his finances. They were moving to Florida the next year. All that money that he, he didn't get to use any of it. Didn't get it because he worked. He worked and, and, and saved it. He didn't get to do any of it. And then Heather got her breast cancer. And I was like, hey, we could this, 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 all this could end tomorrow. Make it all in tomorrow, and what am I doing? I had twenty thousand dollars in my bank just sitting there, and I was the kind of guy that if my bank account got under like fifteen k, I'd be like freaking out. And it's crazy how because poor and wealth are, are they're all different. Yeah, somebody could have five hundred dollars in their bank account and be like, I'm wealthy right now. Oh, that's me. <laughs> they're, they're, what are they? I got, I got two hundred forty bucks. I'm like hell yeah. They call it hundred dollar millionaires. That's right. Hundred dollar uh, there. Hundred dollar there, and they uh. Yeah. See, because I, I was like that too, or my wife, I felt like she was like, she had a champagne taste on a beer budget, always grow, <laughs> growing up, and I've always been the frugal guy, and I was yeah. always the super conservative about things, like approach of, of the finances, I do my own taxes, mm-hmm. like I, I've always been the money guy, and I was I would stress, I, I got put in the hospital twice uh, for, with anxiety attacks, I thought I was having a heart attack both times, really? I was a super high anxiety person, and I've gotten a lot better off a lot better just kind of saying F it. Like that's literally my kind of my mentality is, is that I used to stress about every single little thing. And I used to be a long-term guy. Like I would look like a year, two years in advance, like where am I going to be? And like I said, I'm not saying this is, this is the correct way to do things. Mm -hmm. This is what works for me. I take my day. I take everything week by week because I know I'm not promised tomorrow so what the hell makes me think I'm promised a year from now? So everything I do is week by week and just live just live it like that. I, a lot of stuff for me that I've had to recently learn was I used to save up tons and tons and tons of money. And then I'd go and I'd try to invest it in something else. 
And then obviously I went through my little life event. And then ever since then, things have changed for me. Now I'm not fucking poor. Like, <laughs> I'm not a poor person. I make pretty good money. Yeah. I'm pretty smart with my money. Yeah. I have, I probably have, you know, but when you're a single Eight, five, dude paying bucks. for everything, it, it, especially oh, in this economy, pay for all that stuff. Yeah. Was, I couldn't imagine being a single, like I couldn't imagine buying, like we built a house in 2018. We got lucky yeah. for everything, but I couldn't imagine trying to pay my mortgage and taking care of everything by just me having that extra income. Like my wife and I both work now. We both work part time. Essentially. Yeah. I do like three things and she works two jobs, yeah. but we still, we only well, work for like 30 too, hours for a week. Me, when I bought this house, I bought it at a really good time. So like, yeah, I, I didn't buy it, you know, within the last two years. How long have you been here? Six, seven years. So you've been 2016? Yeah, 2015, 2016. Right so, yeah, yeah. You, were, you probably so got locked in some I good. Got a really good interest rate, but I also yeah. saved up a ton of money to do that. But for me, I throw a lot of money into short-term retirement accounts and then my own personal long-term re- retirement accounts, which is something that if anybody's listening, I highly suggest doing invest in yourself. Because as soon as you start investing in yourself, you can't always count on your I have a perf like from for my business. I can count on that pretty well. But also I want to invest a little bit more to myself because I can make more money on that. So like mm-hmm. I throw a lot of money into that. And then I have a short term account that I throw money into. And that's my whole shit account. So like uh my truck broke down. And when my truck broke down, now not that truck out there, I had yeah. a Dodge that broke down. Surprise. And then um I ended up having a small loan from a buddy because I had to, I needed a vehicle and I said, dude, I need a vehicle. And I just had back surgery and I had to pay for that too, which was insane. But you know, my insurance covered the majority of it, but still I had to pay my, my co-pays. Hmm. And then on top of that, I was living by myself here in this house. So it took a big so Still, I took a huge hit. Plus also I was an idiot and I didn't do the buy up option at an apartment. And they said, Hey, if you don't do this buy up, it's an extra $4 and 25 cents a paycheck. It's eight fifty a, a month. And you'll go to 96% pay if you're on short-term disability. I'm like, I'll never be on short-term disability. <laughs> Lo and behold, guess who was on short-term disability yeah. two years later? It was me. And I went to 60% pay, which was a huge hit on me. But I ended up getting my small loan from my buddy to go buy a truck, and then yeah, the kids are outside playing. And then I don't have kids; I'm, I'm single, and I'm no <laughs> that that he knows of <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> and then, uh, and, but then I I ended up contacting my my uh, retirement lady thing, and I was just like, "Hey, I need this money," and she's like, "Cool, I'll uh, get it wrote up and I'll send it to you. It'll be there in you know five business days." I'm like that having is, that having that cushion. oh shit money is so important. When we when Heather couldn't work, obviously she yeah. had surgery and stuff like that. Like I said, I had about twenty thousand saved up. Now between I was working by myself, I would actually start to drive Uber uh, at night just to make a little extra money. But she wasn't working, so I know it doesn't work as a single income because um, I was just I was money was just coming out of my yeah. Well, Heather got what we had adding, which cost you know what I mean. That's a lot. Cost a lot. We bought a house, and I I put seven percent down. Oh, and job. yeah, and then um, you know, out, out of nowhere, Heather had her cancer stuff, money, and then she's not working. I I spent about fifteen thousand dollars of my oh mm-hmm. shit money, and so we do that now. I keep ten thousand in a separate account that does not get touched. Like that is not there. Like you just pretend that money doesn't exist. Yeah, unless stuff really has to hit the fan for that to be there. Yeah. So, so important. So I, I know exactly where you're coming from on it. It's, it gets tough. But then again, finances isn't talked about enough in school. So like for me, the reason why I'm so We're too open, busy learning about the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. Things that you're going to use every day <laughs> in life. Right. Yeah. I had a class in school and 
And we'll get back to your country stuff later oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's less important. Let's talk about me. No. Um, we, we, we got a little bit more time, right? We got about another 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Okay. I was just looking for some reason my phone always blows Dude, up when like it should. Popular. Yeah. So cool. It, it's crazy because like all day, like all day I'll get nothing. And then I'll, I'll go to like play a live set or like do something like this or yeah. like a, like the radio interview three weeks ago. And my phone is just sitting there just like, Meh. and I'm like, what the, yeah, my phone sounds like a duck. That was my, that was my impression <laughs> of a, a phone. Meh. But, well, that makes you look really cool in front of that person because, like, you know, you start getting phone calls like, oh, hold on a second, this is my agent. And yeah. then you start picking it up. Like, yeah, oh, that's Tim McGraw. He's calling real quick. <laughs> don't worry. I'll, I'll, don't you Tim, wish. I'll call you back later, bud. Don't you wish. That was, that was guy's, a, guy's a creeper, man. Six, six notifications, six people on a phone call missed. It's like, I haven't, I literally haven't got, I've probably got two texts all day. And, <laughs> and six people asking me stuff. One of them is who, is who I'm playing for next week. Uh, but, Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. I'll make this super quick, but I want to get back to you. Honestly. Yeah. But like in school, I had a class called uh, business education. Uh, I, I think that was, it was something like that. And Mrs. Cox was the teacher of it. I'll never forget her as a teacher because she taught me one how to tie a tie. She taught me. I mean, obviously, my dad taught me how to tie a tie, but I had a class in there that we had to do that. How to conduct an interview, be a part of an interview. Uh, how to so important. That's not talked it's about. A, enough. It's not talked about at all. Uh, unless you're going into like a department where that's where you or even running interviews. When I, when I went into like roadhouse, like I got into like management and it was a weird thing where people like a couple people ahead of me when I was going into salary, like one quit and one got fired. So I became like the head honcho, like super quick at like, I was one of the the youngest salary members to ever like be at roadhouse. I, I was like, I just turned 22, I think. Um, and I wasn't responsible for like all the hiring. Man. And you don't, you know, you don't get trained to, to, to go in and, and do that stuff. Ooh. You don't learn that. But yes, an interviewee, an interviewer, both of those should be because you're, you're going to have to have that in life. Like yeah. no matter, no matter what, unless you just don't work you know, or you're an entrepreneur <laughs> you don't succeed or you play or you country music yeah. for a living. But even <laughs> then you still have some sort of interview process. You have yeah. to know how to present yourself to a person that is going to hire you. So yeah, it's so important. We had none of that. None of that no. in high school. There was there was nothing like that except for the class that I took, which is no longer a class there, by the way, because it's you just like metals and woods. You got to get rid of it because it's not you're not going to do that kind of stuff. Get rid of all life. the important stuff. Yeah, get rid of the things that you'll do in life and <laughs> add algebra three. Yes, <laughs> math is so dumb. I have a calculator on my damn phone. But, they told us we wouldn't. Uh, you'll, you'll never have it in your pocket. <laughs> Shut up. Did you go to school in Boston? <laughs> <laughs> That's just my me mocking in your everybody. Pocket. It's in that your pocket, all right? <laughs> Shut up, listen here, boy. You're not gonna have something there. That kind of sounds like Adam Sandler. Like a, I've a, been like told Adam that Sandler I sound character. like Adam. Sand- I'm sick right now, but I've been told I sound like Adam Sandler. Almost like, like little Nicky was coming out there. Like you moved, moved it to the side. <laughs> it's getting a little hot. No, uh, I could usually do a pretty good Donald Trump too. Really? Yeah. Sometimes. Let me see if I can get it because I'm sick right now. I gotta think of something to say. What would I, what would Donald Trump say? Listen, I am totally the greatest at playing guitar. Okay, you give me that guitar, it'll be the greatest guitar. That's, that's okay? pretty good. So I'm sick right now, though. Wonder uh, how does Obama? I don't do impressions. I don't know why. I cannot do Obama. Like uh, uh, everybody, you need to. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump. I tell you what. I tell you what about Donald. <laughs> Listen here, Donald. <laughs> Donald. Yeah, you just go Man. back and forth yeah. as, as in I felt what Bill. 
Bill Clinton just had like the real like like he just kind of talked like yeah real soft Arkansas accent. It's like I'm I'm Bill Clinton and uh, this is how I talk. I did not have sexual relations. But why why does every president have some like the weirdest sound? You have George Bush, George W. Just that real Southern George W. 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 There (laughs) or whatever. And he sit there and he bounces his head like he's like right right yeah. But Obama's was the most ridiculous. Just everything just kind (laughs) of it bounced rolled up and down. Sounds actually pretty good. Like well, you, I guarantee you, everybody could do Biden. Garrett, what? Just go to sleep, and just snore. Just, you just well, uh, uh, you know, we're going to be talking today with uh, Jordan, John, John Schaefer. <laughs> Let's call him John. Like, well, it's because his name's John. Bud. Like, <laughs> Dude, he's, we'll call you John, right? He's yeah. terrible. He's, he's dog trash. I'm a big. Uh, I, I know. I don't know why politics keeps coming back, but I'm a big Ron DeSantis guy. I do like Ron. He'd be my he'd be my vote. I voted Libertarian not this past election. There was not a good choice for me. And honest, in Rainwater. This past election. You're talking about no, Rain, not local. About, yeah, like Rainwater was awesome. I wanted Rainwater. Rainwater is a better option. I don't like Holcomb. Oh, let me switch it back to me. Sorry, I don't like Holcomb. Uh, I've met yeah. his wife. His wife's nice. Um, I just don't like Eric Holcomb. I think he has no spine. Yeah. Me personally, I would love to have you on, Eric. I can talk to you. And be, you know, maybe I might like you afterwards. But it's like I hate you. You have no spine. Why don't you come over? <laughs> You're worthless. Listen, you're a dog trash to be, Eric. That is pretty good. I, I do oh, like thank that. You. Uh, I could do I could do better. Nick dressed up as Donald Trump for Halloween last year, and I'm like, dude, that's what I want. Should have been. To do. I should have been Donald Trump. Yeah, you should have been Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so he dressed up as Donald Trump, but uh, I just I just. So the problem with voting libertarian, I'm all for hey, there's a third party, bud, but it's it just doesn't work that way in our in our government because you have you have to have such a large amount of people to vote libertarian because it goes to the incumbent. Mm-hmm. So what that means is let's say you've got uh, people voting you know in a Republican state, and then you have a Democrat running. And the Democrats got some, you know, their policies they want to introduce. And then there's a libertarian. So you take the votes like the people that were like, I'm voting a fucking libertarian. in, And then the people that were going to vote conservative vote libertarian. You take away enough votes from you the take, conservative. Yeah, and, and, it, and both parties and are scared of that. Still, conservatives are, are, are more scared of it because I feel like a lot of libertarians would lean right. I feel like more libertarians come from... A conservative side, that's, at least that's from people okay. I know. That's okay still. That's still okay. The problem is you can have a lesser amount of percentage of people voting Republican and the Democrat will still win. My problem is, that's is the they're birds of the same feather to both parties. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at any of these debates, they're they're bipartisan, not nonpartisan. And like when Gary Johnson mm-hmm. in, uh, what was that, 20, 2016, when he was coming, when he was, yeah. Yeah, when he was big, he, you have to get a certain amount of like the primary, and I, I want to say like they like literally, there, there's a percentage. I, I I might give the wrong percentage here, like two percent to get into the the debate, or it might have been like eight percent. I don't know something it's, like that. It's well, he there. he beat it. He was ahead of it, and they still didn't let him debate. And I think if a libertarian got to get on the debate stage and people got got to hear the thoughts. It might swing a little bit because the problem is, as you see it every election, we go we go Republican and Democrat for, for a reason because yeah. Republicans will get in. They'll be like, wow, these people suck. Then liberals will get in and they'll be like, well, these people suck. And it's just a back and forth. We've been doing it forever yeah. instead of being like, hey, you know what? Let's try something. Let's just try something different. But we're too dead and we talk about it, but we're too pansy to, to try it. What I would love to see, what I would love to see now, I don't think you'll ever see this. I'm sitting like a slob, man. <laughs> I am too. So I did a podcast with a guy, and I don't want to say who, but he started off sitting up like this, 
And then at the very end, he's sitting like this. like that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you can tell. I, you, I I had to I adjusted earlier because there's been a couple times I feel like we've just been sitting here. I've just been yeah. kind of like <laughs> I've been kind of getting there getting myself. Picture, yeah. <laughs> you start to relax and stuff. But like you, well, the problem is, oh, what was I saying? How much oh, you yes. love my music? What I would I'd love your music. <laughs> I will say this last thing, and then we'll get back to your music. Yeah. Um. The pro- what I would love to see is let's say you have a Democrat president. I would love to see a Republican or a conservative vice president, Vite, a VP, and then you have both of them to where they can actually legitimately so an actual work checks together. and balance, an actual an actual somebody who could sit there and be like, Nah, but that's a horrible idea. Well, yeah. let's come to a consensus on what's best because obviously there's there's people that you know. I understand that there's another party out there and it can't just be, you don't want conservative rule only because that just be, that would be I, I, I truly don't think anything will change until we get rid of lobbyists. Oh, the lobbyists are horrible. That's, I mean, that, I, I don't understand how it's even, away. how it's even legal, but until, until that happens, there's, there's literally nothing you can do. I don't know. I, we've probably gone too far from point of no return anyway, but <laughs> it's, if there was any step in the right direction, it's getting rid of lobbyists. Yeah. But yeah, the problem the problem with that is, and I'm getting to see this, and I got to go to D.C. a couple of years ago. I got to do a lot of cool things, meet a lot of cool people, um, but also with local politics too. Is let's let's use the example of Donald Trump. He is a very polarizing person. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump had all of his own money to come in with his campaign. Nobody could buy him. You cannot buy somebody like that. Let's say I run for let's say I run for a mayor spot here in Greenwood. Hmm. Do I have the amount of money? Do I have three hundred fifty thousand dollars to run in a campaign? No, I don't have that money. So what do I have to do? I have to go to people who have a lot of money and say, "Hey, man, I, uh, could you donate twenty thousand dollars to my campaign? Because th- these are what this is what my values are." That person that I'm asking, let's say they own a farm here in Greenwood, and they're like, "Yeah, only if you give me a tax break on my farm." Mm-hmm. Well, but if you take it away from everybody and make it well known that that person's wealthy and are able to run on their own, do they, you know what I mean? Do you make the playing field not necessarily even, but th- these people would know that's the thing you have to rely on the average American to be smart enough to realize who's crooked and not, which yeah. we, we, we that's can't. hard. That's tough because it could be any, it could be anybody. That's you, why I hate straight tickets. People will be like, well, I'm a straight ticket Republican. I'm a straight. Yeah, ticket. You can't do it's that. like, well, you don't know that person. You could have an absolute psychopath. Yeah. Um, just because they're under a party line, you're going to, you're going to bring them in, but they do it. There's a lot of people <laughs> that do that. It's, but there's not a lot of discussion education on that too. And that's the sad part. Let's talk about your music yeah. because that's what yeah. you're here for. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about earlier, you playing a couple songs. Mm-hmm. Are you still okay with playing yeah, a couple absolutely. songs? Absolutely. All right. So, uh, let's see. There was a song that I was going to ask you, and if you don't know this, then you're not a true country singer. Uh, <laughs> this is the test. This is the ultimate test. This right? is the test. If I don't know it, I'm done. I quit. Do you, do you listen to Picos to the Rooftops? Um, I I know who they are, but okay. I don't. Do you like their music at all? Are you talking about what's their famous song? this damn song? Isn't that their this damn song is my absolute most favorite. I song. I know the song. I can't play the song. I don't blame you. Uh, that's okay. That's that's it. So we're gonna end the podcast there. So we no, I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> no, dude. I, I was just asking that that came up as I was thinking about it. Like, dude, if he could play that song, that would be pretty cool. But, dude, any song that you want to play, it's on you. I will enjoy it no matter what. We can do. Uh, do you want to do like a a cover cut? Just not the whole song. I can play the song, and then you could just we can do just like a cut of it, and then an original song that people can check out. My Spotify and Apple Music under <laughs> let's John do, Ryan Music. Let's do an original song. Okay. You can play the whole song if you want to. Okay. Like I personally 
it's my fucking podcast. So yeah, they can listen to the entire song because I think it's, I think you're pretty good, man. And I think everybody should hear. We can do. How about I do two originals? Cuts yeah. of like different because I can do already miss you, which is my favorite song. It's about my daughter. Yeah, and I it's the most popular song. I have over ten thousand streams, which is awesome. I appreciate. That is insane. Some people would be like ten thousand. That's nothing. If I had, like I said, I got to um, when I got to thirteen thousand followers on TikTok, or uh, even when I got to a hundred followers on YouTube, I'm like, thank you so much. Like that's a hundred people that are dedicated to like listening to me. That means the world. So yeah, some people are like fourteen thousand. Like I'm at. That's 40, huge. I'm at 50. Dude, 14,000 people that are interested in your music, that means the world to me. That's just, that's absolutely crazy. So, Dude, 100 people is insane. Like, that's, that's what I'm a saying. Lot. Like right now, I, I can't, I can't remember what I'm at on YouTube. Like I said, I'm bad at social media, but I think I'm at like 350 subscribers. And uh, like, that's awesome to me. Like, I, I, it's so cool that there's people that are literally like, I want notifications when this guy mm-hmm. puts out music. And I, I, I appreciate it. I really do. But I have two different kind of style. Like I have that song. I, I sing. I, I write on my own songs. I like the songs to mean stuff to me. You can check them out. I write a lot of lake songs because the lake is mm-hmm. like my favorite place in the world. I got a, a bunch of songs like Party Cove, Lake is My Beach. I got the chance to uh, film Lake is My Beach music video down in Lake Cumberland last year, which is really cool. Um, like I said, already miss you. I've had... I've had two people that I don't even know, which is the best. It's best when a stranger likes your stuff because obviously a family or a friend like they yeah. they like your stuff. It's like it's like grandma telling you you're the yeah. best. Like, but when a stranger comes up to you, I've had two different strangers ask me if they can use "Already Miss You" as their father daughter song at a wedding. Uh, ask my permission. I'm like, absolutely. I hate artists that are really weird about their music. Like, like if people use it in something, like they're like, you can't. That's copyright. Like, you need to get my permission or I need to get royalties. Dude, my music is out there for anybody to use. I'd, I'd be absolutely grateful if people use my music. So just let just let them know so that way you can hear about it too. Because that'd be the cool. Tag part. me. Yeah, tag, tag you. Me. Tag you in it. Tag me so I can yeah so I can see it. But like I'm not gonna be like you're gonna hear from my lawyers. <laughs> that, tag me so one. I can sue the shit. I'd out have you. to have a lawyer first. How the way I do things, I'd probably learn to be a lawyer. Just to, I like to do everything on my own. I don't like hiring people, but I'll do that and then I'll do a I'll do a fun song. Good to go. Like I said, I wrote this song about my daughter when she was two years old, and she's uh, she's turning five next month, so kind of comes to fruition. But this is uh, for all parents, you know, of kids and uh, kind of watching their kids grow up really quick. It's called uh, "I Already Miss You." Find it on Spotify, Apple Music. I remember wondering when you would crawl. Now you're running. in the now is now in the past that's the issue 
already miss you Pretty soon you're gonna think you know what's best Right now you're sleeping with your head on my chest And I already miss you Cause I know that someday you're gonna leave me You're gonna grow up and move away And that's the issue Cause I know time is cruel It goes too fast Just like that What's in the now is now in the past That's the issue I already miss you some tears right now I hold you tight and I whisper in your ear I already miss you cause I know that someday you're gonna leave me you're gonna grow up and move away and that's the issue I know time is cruel, it goes too fast Just like that, my little girl is gone in a flash That's the issue, I already miss you Baby, that's the issue, I already miss you Yeah, I already miss you Thank you That is so good that is like, you about put a damn tear in my eye, bud. <laughs> That's a wonderful. So, what, what motivated you to write that song? Like, what was so like when my daughter was two? I started to realize, like, like I said in the song, like I remember wondering when you would crawl because I remember when yeah. she was a little baby and like she's just this little thing, and I'm like, I want you to turn into a human so I can play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when they're a baby, they're just there. You just feed them and you make sure they don't hit the ground too hard. And you're good. And I'm like, I want you to kind of become a person so I can hang out with you and, and, and get to know you. And then she started to grow up. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, I need you to, like, stop growing so fast. Like, you're, like, and now, like, I wrote that when she was two because I said, you know, I wanted, wondering when you would crawl. Now you're running up and down the halls. Like, she was running up and down the halls. And I'm like, wow, she's growing up so quick. Um, and then now she's almost five. And she's, she's, like, big for her age, too. And she's super, super smart. Like, we do... We homeschool her. We're the weirdos, but uh, we do like lessons plans with her, and and she's just she's super advanced. And m my thing with parenting is I always try to, I act like she's like two years older than she is. I treat her like like right now I, I treat her like a six year old, or like when it comes to her games on her tablet, I set the settings to like two like a, like a grade or two above, so she's learning advanced stuff. Like that's just what I do. It's what my wife does. Like we just want her to be as smart as possible and she is and what's crazy is I she's she's gonna be our only one she's the only one we can have because of complications um so like me like enjoying every moment I can with her is just the most it's the utmost important aspect of my life so I wrote that song saying I already miss you because I do I know it's gonna go super quick and I know you're gonna move out and you're gonna be in college before I can even blink so I'm trying to just enjoy every moment I have right now. That's beautiful, man. Oh, thank you. You want to do any more songs? 
I'll do one more, just in case Perfect. you like it. Um, this is more upbeat. I have upbeat songs too. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it, bud. All, it's all, all you. The sad songs. I was want to sit over here and cry, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a I got a bunch of songs. Like I said, check them out. Um, you can find them on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, all, all that good stuff. This one's actually an unreleased song. I've yet to release this one, um, but it's pretty vibey and it's hard to sing. I like to write songs that are hard for me to sing, especially about warming up. We did one song, but um, like I said, there's no other place I enjoy in the world more than uh, than the lake. If, you, if I'm not playing country music, I'm, I'm down at the lake uh, floating in a cove. And I wanted to write a song called Floating because gas prices are too high to be driving the boat around. Um, and it's pretty much what we do anyway. When we say we're going boating, we're just going to go park in the cove and get drunk. So I wanted to write a song about it. It's called Floating. And a little uh, pretense or a pretext to this is when I say a diesel, I call uh, Budweiser heavies. But, but heavies are diesels. Between between Memorial Day and Labor Day, they're just called a diesel. So when I say a, open a diesel, that's what it, that's what it means. But uh, yeah, this one's called Floating. Let's see if we can do it here. I got my life jacket flipped around, running it through my legs. Gonna sit here in the water, probably. All damn day. I got a five o'clock buzz and it ain't even new. Gonna sit right here, don't wanna go on a cruise. Why waste the gas when you can open a diesel? Sitting here surrounded by my kind of people just drinking, floating. It's what we're doing when we say that we're boating, just coping. Making memories that'll soon be forgotten No matter the day, no matter the time Just pull on up and toss us a line to do some lay I got a floating cooler that's full of ice cold beer That I'd rather be than right here Them bullets are sweating But you know that I'm not Easy to get drunk But it's hard to get hot When you're drinking Floating It's what we're doing When we say that we're boating Just cold Squat some lake floating. The summer's too short, so stay for a while. We'll kick it back and keep it in idle, just drinking, floating. It's what we're doing when we say that we're boating, just coke, squat. Some lit 
That was awesome. Thank you. Like, I just had Thank a smile you. on my face that whole time, bud. I got. I, I feel like I got a lot of songs like that. Like Party Cove, Lake is My Beach. I got one called Head South, Head Down to the Beach. Um, one Beach Right Now, um, which is a, a new my new release. Check it out. It's on the Spotify, Apple Music. And what what is your name on Spotify? And stuff? John Ryan. John Ryan? John Ryan okay. is what it's under, yeah. Um, I, J-O-H-N? J-O-H-N, okay. R-Y-A-N. I like... I like vibey songs. I like songs that mean stuff, and even the vibey songs like mean something to me. Like uh, whether it's be- hanging at the lake or like beach right now. I wrote it when it was negative two out, and uh, I was staring out the window, and I'm like, man, I need a beach right now. And I'm like, that'd be a great song. So I wrote down, you know, um, it's just pretty much about F Indiana. Like I need to head, <laughs> I need to head south for the winter. But uh, yeah, dude, I, I I hope you're coming to the show tomorrow night, right? Yeah, I'll be there. Hell yeah! Um, and check out John Ryan Music. I have a website too. JohnRyanMusic.com. If anybody wants to see upcoming shows, um, anything, or or book me. I did a lot of lake shows this year. Uh, that was fun. Just big dock parties all, awesome. all year. And I got one more. We're doing a Halloween um, bash down at uh, Sweetwater. Okay. So we'll be on Sweetwater. Uh, God, I can't remember the day. I know that's terrible. I want to say it's like the 22nd, whatever that, that Saturday okay. is. We're Do you doing, have an Instagram? Got an Instagram. John Ryan Music. <laughs> Super easy. John Ryan Music, everything. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter. I don't use Twitter. I don't know how to use Twitter. I'm an old man. I don't tweet anything. I get on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, MySpace. <laughs> no, no MySpace. Don't don't try to follow awesome. me on there. Man, dude, I really appreciate you spending the time of it with your evening and just can't yeah, wait been, for your It's been awesome. I, I enjoyed yeah. coming out and hanging out with you. Shooting I appreciate shit, that, man. Talking everything from politics to... I don't know, just country personal music. life, country yeah. music, all, all over the board. And that's, I don't know, that's just what, that's what I'm all about, just, just hanging out and, and trying to have a good time. So hope you all come and see me. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate it.